very important for all of us. It's how we receive and how we give correction. Uh, it is a, a sensitive topic, but one that's really important for us to be thinking about. And um, before we read this text, I was thinking even this morning about a term that I have heard in recent months. Uh, it's relatively new, I think, at least how I've heard it used. Uh, it's a, a term that's been used to describe the current generation of young adults, like maybe a little bit younger than me and down. And unfortunately, people use it in a fairly derogatory way sometimes, uh, which I will not uh, be using it that way. But there's a term that I've heard called the snowflake generation. Maybe some of you are familiar with this, maybe not. Uh, but when people use this term, uh, when they're talking about a generation of people that they would call or describe as snowflakes, you can imagine what a snowflake is, right? The little things that, that get on your eyelashes or your coat or whatever. When you see one little snowflake, that thing is like the most delicate thing you can imagine. It melts almost instantly. Uh, it's tiny. There's no strength to it in and of itself. And when people have started to use this term to describe uh, the current generation of, of young adults, they've been trying to convey something that they would throw out as a criticism of this generation, that they think that they're, they're not able to receive challenge, that they're not able to receive correction or to handle beliefs that differ from theirs, and that as soon as a challenging idea or a correction comes to them, they melt. Uh, they think that they're weak or that they don't have a spine. There's all sorts of derogatory ways that people will talk about young adults uh, these days. And I don't think that that is fair. I understand the sentiment in some ways. I can even see some of that in myself. But what I would point out to anybody who's tempted to think that about young adults is that that is not something that is new and that is not something that is unique to young adults or to teenagers or kids of today. That, that, uh, that recoiling to challenge and to differing views is something that is true in every generation of people. We might be better able to hide it on the outside, but internally there is a pushing back against challenge, against correction, against differing beliefs from our own. That is embedded in us as human beings. And I don't say that just because I know a lot of like 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds who I would say, I've seen that in you. I know that and I can say that because I see it in the Bible. I see God's word say this is something that all of us struggle with. This is something that it may not come out outwardly as much, but all of us struggle with receiving challenge, with receiving correction that comes from other human beings, whether we're a child or whether we're uh, in our old age. We all struggle in how we receive correction. Uh, but this text speaks very directly, very clearly uh, to, how to how we are to receive correction and challenge as it comes to us. So we're going to be in Proverbs 15. We're going to look at the last three verses of that chapter, uh, verses 31 to 33. And so uh, this text is very direct. Uh, the points of the sermon today are going to be very simple and direct. But I, I trust that God has much to teach us and ways to grow us through it. So follow along with me, just these three short verses, uh, Proverbs 15, 31 to 33. Solomon uh, wrote this. He said, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. 
the, the main point that I want to make this morning, I think that this text drives that, and it's very obvious on the surface of it, is about how we receive correction. And I would say it this way, is to humbly receive correction. I think that's what God would want us to see first in this text, is that as human beings in general, but as Christians in particular, we are called to humbly receive correction. We'll talk in just a little while, as time allows, about how to give correction, because I think that's implied in this text. But what's directly talked about is how you receive correction, how you respond when it comes to you, because it comes to all of us. It comes in different forms. Uh, when we're young, it comes to us most directly through parents and then through teachers. And then uh, as we get older, it comes through maybe peers, classmates, friends, or counselors, or pastors, or bosses, or people uh, in society who have places of authority. Correction comes to all of us. And the question is, how am I going to respond to it when it comes to me? How am I going to deal with it? This text really, just as many things do in the book of Proverbs, gives you two choices, two ways, pictures of how we respond or how the choice that we make. Earlier it talks about two paths we could go down or two voices that call out to us as we've seen the last couple weeks. But in this text you see there's really two distinct ways you can respond when correction comes to you. Uh, And you'll notice them in here. Uh, In verse 31, we see the good way to respond to correction. And uh, Solomon said it this way. He said, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof. And And then he says something very similar down in verse 32, like poetry often does, says the same things, just says it's slightly different. If you look at the second half of verse 32, he uses the same word again. He says, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. And so the first way that we can respond to it, the right way, as we'll see, is to listen to it. It's to, as correction comes to you, it's to pay attention to it, to to lean into it, to try to learn from it, to listen to it. That's the first way we can respond. The alternative is, you see, in verse, the first part of verse 32, he says that whoever ignores instruction despises himself. And so that's the other way that we can respond. When correction comes to me, when it comes to you, the other way we can respond is to ignore it, to not pay attention to it, to close our ears to it, to say, I don't want to hear that. I'm not going to pay attention to you. I don't need that in my life. I don't need your words of correction to me. And so we can either listen or we can ignore it. We can either receive it or we can reject it when it comes to us. And I would say to you, based on having read the Bible and even what you see in the book of Proverbs itself, is that our tendency as human beings is not to listen to correction. Our tendency is to take that second choice, is to ignore it, to reject it, to shut it off from our life when it comes to us, whether it comes through mom and dad or a teacher or a friend. When we are corrected, we typically hate it. We want to re- reject it, walk away from it. Yet God, through this text, would very clearly, without mistake, say the right path, the right choice is to listen. It's to pay attention to it, to to take it in, to consider what that person is saying to you, even if every instinct in you says to not, to to push it away. And you see a few reasons in this text uh, and in the book of Proverbs of why we need to be corrected in the first place. Uh, Why do we need to be corrected? Like, why is it wrong for me to say, I don't need that? Uh, A couple things I would show you here. Uh, One reason that we need to be corrected sometimes 
is that we are limited as human beings in our perspective and in our knowledge, uh, that we do not know everything about every circumstance. And sometimes, even just out of ignorance, we make choices that bring harm to people, that have absolutely detrimental effects to people. And sometimes we make choices out of ignorance that need to be corrected. Think of like a little toddler, to use an extreme example, who's sitting in their high chair or whatever, and they're given food, and they start throwing their food against the wall. They're not doing it like to, I'm going to get back at my mom for what she did to me earlier. Like they're doing it out of ignorance. They're, they're making an action. They're doing something that is having negative effects that need to be corrected, that needs to be addressed, but they're doing it out of a, a limitation or out of a ignorance, okay? And that's true of us even as adults and teenagers that if you look back up at verse 22, for example, of this same chapter, some Proverbs a lot of times feels fairly random in what is said, but sometimes you'll find Proverbs even nearby that help you understand what is being said. And if you go back to verse 22 of this same chapter, Solomon said this. He said, Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Now this is a king who wrote this. This is the wisest king who had ever lived at that point in time saying, hey, kings need advisors. People need counsel around them to help them make decisions that are wise, to help them not have unintentional negative effects. And so, and he's writing to his sons who may very well become kings themselves and become rulers themselves. And so he's saying everybody needs counselors. We all have blind spots where we don't see connections and we haven't thought through things. And we need people to correct us. We need people to challenge us at times to help us to be responsible and godly in the way that we act. I think of even just like sports analogy, like even LeBron James needs a coach, right? Even like the best musicians need people around them to help them notice when certain things are off or to make recommendations for them. And so just the fact, even before we talk about our sin, which we're going to talk about, even before we talk about our sin, just the fact that we are small and limited as human beings means that we need to be corrected at times. We need to have people to sharpen us or to call us to, to change and to do things differently. But the main reason we need to be corrected, the main reason I need to be corrected at times and that, that you need to be corrected at times isn't because we're limited or because we're ignorant about something. It's because we're sinful. It's because our hearts have, are, are leading us and we're making choices to make decisions of our own will that are wrong and that we need people to lovingly call us out on it. We need people to shine a light on that and to show it to us. That problem, the problem of sinfulness, is more what Proverbs talks about, saying you need corrected because you're sinful. You are choosing wrong paths. You are making ungodly decisions. And there's a temptation in our world when we think about correction, particularly of kids. There's, a, there's this temptation in our world nowadays, and maybe it's been around for a long time, I don't know. But when we look at children, we think what the reason they need to be corrected is, is because they lack information. They lack knowledge. And if I can just give them the right information, if I can help them understand what's going on, if I can help them connect dots, then that's, that's the way they need correction. And that is true to some extent, that kids and adults, we need perspective. We need people to give us more information and help us connect dots. But more than information, we need to be called to repent. We need to be called, whether we're kids or adults, we need to be called not just to know more, 
but to change our behavior, to change the orientation of our heart. That is what the primary problem is for us, is that we sometimes knowingly sin and we enter into rebellion against God, or sometimes we've done that and then let our heart get so hardened that we just we don't even realize it anymore. We just are progressing down this path of sin, making uh, detrimental choices to us and to others. And we need people to show us that, to call us out, to say, you are going down a path. You are behaving in ways. You're speaking in ways. You're thinking in ways that God has called you to do differently. And we need brothers and sisters to tell us that and to call us to that. But you see in this text, there's, there's not just... Uh, I would say it this way. There are things we see in this text that help us have the right motivation of how we receive correction then because we know we need it if you read the bible at all you start to see man i am sinful i need people if i'm honest to correct me but there is some hints in this text of why correction is good like with the benefit that it brings to you that it brings to me uh, that it brings to us I, i would point you to this look at the start of verse 31 I, I love this. This really latched on in my mind this week and was helpful and even challenging to me. Uh, Solomon started the verse this way. He said, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof. Life-giving correction. And what he was trying to indicate is that correction, that, that reproof when it comes to you, is meant by God to bring life to you. That is not how we normally think of correction when it's come to us from a husband or from a wife or a mom or a dad or a boss or a friend. Like, we do not think of correction as life-giving. We think of it as life-zapping or death-bringing, that I want to avoid it at all costs. But this phrase is so fascinating where he says, life-giving reproof. Correction as it comes to you is intended by God to help you. It's intended to bring a better life to you, to bring more godliness, increased godliness in your life, not just to be painful. I was thinking of an example that that came to mind this week is shots for kids. Uh, My kids are at an age where they've either been through uh, shot regiments and and those types of things, but uh, they hate that, as I'm sure I hated getting shots when I was a kid. I still hate getting shots if I need to. Uh, But the reason that they hate it is because of the pain, right? Uh, There was one time uh, there's just screaming involved. I I don't need to say who the kid is, but people in the waiting room are wondering what in the world is going on in there. Uh, And they're screaming because they know pain is coming, and then when it comes, the pain there and the screaming gets louder but the reason we do that the reason as their father that i allow that to happen that i allow that pain to come is actually to be a help to them and they might not see it as that they might only feel the sting only feel the pain that comes in their arm or their leg but i am intending and that doctor or that nurse is intending for help to come for for life to be sustained for for health to be in that person it's like taking medicine that's bitter as it goes down like gross tasting pills or swallowing disgusting like i hated robitussin when i was a kid like taking this disgusting medicine into yourself but it's to give you health that is what correction is supposed to be like for us the bible is not ignorant or doesn't pretend that correction doesn't hurt or that it doesn't sting or that it's not painful The, the bible is very clear that it does that it does hurt when people bring correction to you. It, it, that's why we want to push it away. But it is to give us life. It is to help us. Uh, Proverbs 27, 6, later in the book of Proverbs, says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 
And what it's saying is sometimes friends or people who are in authority over you are to bring pain to you. They're to, to bring a wound even in a sense with their words to you to help you see rightly and to help you grow in ways that you wouldn't if they were silent. I, I want to point out one other thing to you in, in this text about this. If you look at verse 32, this is just a, a different way of saying the same thing about the, the benefit that it should bring. Solomon said, whoever ignores instruction, like if we, we push it away, he says, whoever ignores instruction despises, and then imagine if you were writing this sentence, okay? Whoever ignores instruction despises, and then if you were going to fill in the blank, you don't need to say it out loud, but just imagine how you would fill in that blank. I would say, like, uh, whoever ignores instruction despises the one who's giving it, right? Like, that they're mad that this person's correcting it. But he says, whoever ignores instruction despises himself. And what he's trying to indicate is when you push away correction, when you say, Mom and Dad, I don't need your advice, I don't need your correction, Teacher, I don't need to hear from you, Friend, you need to keep your mouth shut and just mind your own business. When you say those things and you push people away who are trying to bring correction to you, Solomon is saying you are doing harm to yourself. Because God is intending to sharpen you. He's intending to challenge you in ways that are good for your soul. And you might not see it that way, but if you push that away and turn away, it's actually yourself you're despising. There's good that's supposed to be coming to you through that correction. And so there's a benefit that correction is supposed to bring to us and that, that we are not to push away. And if you see at the end of this text, verse 33 uh, the reason I said it this way, to humbly receive correction, is based on verse 33, the end of it, where he says, humility comes before honor. He, he ties humility into this idea of receiving correction. Humility comes before honor. In our world today, we like to think, I at least, have, have been prone to think this, and I, I think this is a somewhat universal problem we like to think that everybody should just respect and honor us and like appreciate us just by the fact of our existence <laughs> like that the, the, they should agree with the things that i think the preferences that i have the choices that i make like they need to honor that they need to respect that they need people need to appreciate me but solomon is saying you know what you need to be more marked by humility than you are by a desire for people to honor you that you need to realize, I am limited as a person, and worse than that, I am sinful as a person. And when I interact with people, and I want them to respect me, or I want them to, to appreciate me, I need to first come to them with a, a spirit of humility, recognizing my brokenness, and that I do need to change. I do need people to challenge me, and sharpen me, and to, to confront me at times. I need to be willing to enter into conversations, and I'm saying this honestly of myself. This has been good for me to hear this week. We need to enter into conversations where there's disagreement or there's challenge to us, but with a willingness to say, you know what, you may be right, and a true belief in that. That, that I'm not just uh, paying lip service to that idea, but you may be right. I might have some things I need to change that you are showing me, that you are helping me to see. And so the, the, uh, the need is there for us to humbly uh, receive correction, have a willingness to hear it. Kids, that means for you with your parents, you need to have a willingness to listen to your mom and dad. That's what this text is most directly about, and Proverbs is most directly about. Is when mom and dad come to you with correction, everything in you is going to want to say, I don't need to hear that. I know what's right, Mom. I know what's right, Dad. I don't, I don't need you to correct me. But God is saying, your mom and dad correcting you is to help you. 
And you need to trust God about that. You need to trust your mom and dad about that. As hard as it is, you need to trust that. Just like a shot, is in t- it hurts, but it's to help you. The same is true of your mom and dad's correction when it comes to you. We need to remember this in the workplace. When people come to us with correction, we need to have a willingness to humbly listen to them and not just assume that my ways are the right ways. We need to have a willingness to hear correction even from non-Christians. Don't just write people off because they don't love Jesus. Sometimes God uses people who don't know Christ at all to still speak truth to you that corresponds with what God has said as they observe you being a rude neighbor or a, a selfish relative or things like that. There are ways God sometimes will even bring correction to you through people who don't know him. And you need to have a willingness to listen and to hear people out as they come to you with correction. We need to humbly receive the correction uh, that God brings to us. And the, the wonderful thing, though, as Christians in particular, is that, that we are not snowflakes. We don't need to be nervous what people think of us as they come to us with correction because they can feel like, man, that person hates me or they don't like what I just did and we can feel this fracturing with our fellow humans. But we know that the person in the universe whose opinion matters most of us has spoken loud and clear about what he thinks of us. That, that he loves us and is for us because we have been united with Christ. And the stability that that gives me on my worst days when I am making sinful choice after sinful choice and people are coming to correct me, I know that even though there may be tension between us, I know that God the Father is for me and that he loves me. And that gives me a stability and like an anchor in my soul that gives me a willingness to listen to people and to receive the things that they might say to me and, and not to have my whole entire being undone done by correction and so we need to be willing to humbly receive correction that's what this text most directly talks about but i want to briefly just talk about how we provide correction because that's implied in this text right if we're if we're being told how to receive correction when it comes to us it comes to us through people right so that means there's people in our life who are going to be giving And sometimes we are that person. In certain people's lives, we are called to be that person who provides correction. We're the mouth through which God speaks correction to other people at times. We have a responsibility to do this, as God's people especially. Uh, If you're anything like me, sometimes we can be tempted to avoid conflict at all costs. To be a peacekeeper, to say, you know what, I see that happening. I see that person sinning, but I know if I come to them with a a word of challenge or correction that it's going to be like World War III. I know that there's going to be volatility to it. And so we can be tempted just to back away and to never be the person that God uses to bring correction. But that is not an option for us as God's people. There are texts in the Bible where we are called to do that. To correct one another, to, to rebuke each other even at times in a loving way. Not in a way that is arrogant and condescending and assuming that we're better than that person, but out of care and out of concern for them. We have a responsibility to do that. And what that means for us, what that means for you if you are a believer, is that you need to actually be involved enough with fellow Christians to be able to do that. Like if all you do is you come in and you you sit here and you worship with us, that is wonderful and God longs for that. But you need to have Christians in your life who can do that to you, who can lovingly correct you. But you also might be the one that God uses to challenge people. 
And if you aren't around Christians enough to see how their life is going and to, to rub shoulders with them, God wants to, you to do that. He wants you to be in a place where you can know people enough to lovingly provide correction to them. But as we bring correction, whether it's in our family or in the church context or out in the world, in the workplace, we need to remember, all of us, if we are bringing correction to somebody, we need to remember to have the right goal in mind. Uh, the, the goal, as verse 31 says, is to be life-giving when we bring correction, whether it's to our children, to fellow employees, to neighbors, to friends, to life group members. If we are bringing correction to them, the goal is to give life to them. The goal is not, as we often are tempted to do, is to cut them down to size or to put them in their place or to make them see how wrong they are, to to punish them. Often we're tempted to think that way as parents. Those are not the goal of correction. The goal of correction is to lovingly reach into that person's life and you know it's going to sting. You know it's going to hurt, but you want on the other side of that hurt for there to be health. You want the, the words that you bring to them to be life-giving. But often we stoop to this just getting stuff off my chest and venting and putting people down with my words and correcting them that way. And God is repulsed by that. That is not how he disciplines us. And he calls us, if we're called to correct someone, to do it in a spirit of love. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul, who often had hard things to say to people, he said this, Galatians 6, 1, he said, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. As Paul said that, that, that if there's people who are sinning, when you come to correct them, you come to them in a spirit of gentleness, and you come to them with the word of God. You're not trying to get people as you correct them to just do what you want them to do. That's often our goal. It's like, I'm so frustrated with this person. Why can't they just do what I want them to do? What you are doing when you are correcting someone is you are calling them to do what Christ wants them to do. And sometimes those will overlap. Sometimes the things you're longing to see will overlap with what, what God is longing to see in their life. But do not come to people in a harsh, correcting way just trying to get them to toe your line, to get them to do the things that you want. When you come to correct, you are coming to draw them to the ways of Christ, to, to, to draw them to the word of God as their guide. And so we are called to lovingly provide correction. We need to be so careful as we do that. When I was at Taylor University, they would use this corny phrase. Uh, maybe they use it other places. I don't know at Grace. But instead of calling it confronting, they would call it carefronting. And I always remember rolling my eyes like, that is so stupid. Like, why? That, that's corny. But the older I get, uh, the more I understand what they were trying to get at. And that is when you are bringing correction to a person, whether it is a child who has just frustrated you and disobeyed you for the hundredth time that day, or whether it's a friend who has been rude to you and harsh with other people. Uh, no matter, when you come to someone and you are confronting them, you do so in a spirit of love. You do so in a spirit of a, a desire to see life come to them, for God to reach in and change them, not just to get them to realize how bad they've been or how uh, harmful they have been others this is a tough part of life giving and receiving correction there's landmines all over the place about how we receive correction how we give it to one another but thankfully the god who has called us to do these things to receive uh, correction humbly and to give correction lovingly he has done these to a degree we can't even fathom himself 
Uh, God, uh, the Son, Jesus Christ, is the supreme example to us of humbly receiving correction. He submitted to Mary and Joseph. You can read in uh, Luke chapter 2. He he submitted to his parents, but the, the supreme example of that was what happened on the cross. And it wasn't just loving discipline that he submitted to and that he received. It was punishment for our sins, for things that he did not deserve, things he had not committed. He humbly received that from God the Father. And God the Father is the supreme example of one who lovingly corrects of one who doesn't correct his children out of harshness and judgment. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says that the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Like as he brings correction to you, whether it's through his word or through other people, he is doing so out of love for you as God the Father. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to do these well, to do these with, with uh, obedience and love in our hearts, to receive the correction from others humbly and to give correction lovingly to others. The Spirit dwells within us to help us do those things and navigate through those difficult waters. 